0: What do you do for sales training when sales training is so frustrating and seems so counterproductive sometimes? Right? Because the people getting trained are sometimes resistant, or sometimes they've been through so many training courses where they just tune out everything you say and you sound like the teacher in Charlie Brown. Mwah, 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 mwah sometimes the people doing the training are so frustrated because they come up with some really good material and go out in the field and prove some really good phraseology and techniques and approaches and then when they try to train it sometimes it doesn't work in reality the way it it worked for them or it doesn't work for the particular people doing it or the folks who get the training just don't feel like putting in the time to perfect it It's really frustrating for the trainers. It's also really frustrating for the higher ups, for the big bosses, because they invest in training and they invest in training materials. And sometimes the numbers don't move and so they wonder, well, why are we doing this? What's the point? So I've come up with a couple different approaches for sales training that maybe are helpful. One idea is to make it a self-driven process where the salesperson is on their own sales journey, their quest for sales proficiency, their quest to be their own sales hero. So if you want to check that out, go to solvingsales.com. That's all about my self-driven sales journeys program. And you can subscribe to that for, I think right now it's $5 a month. I'm making it super easy so people can get in there and start creating their own journey to sales mastery. Solvingsales.com. Solvingsales.com. Thank you. Well, thanks for checking back to the Troncast with Tron Jordheim Today, I have a special guest, Kyle Grapone. And what Kyle is working on is some important stuff for our youth. We're leaving them the planet, uh, some might say in good shape, some might say in horrible shape. We're leaving them a fixer-upper, some might say. So what Kyle is working on is helping the youth of today be prepared for what they're walking into the opportunities the challenges all that sort of thing and his his approach is kind of unique so Kyle t- t- tell us how you're taking that approach and and what sort of responses you're getting I'd love to hear more sure. about sure
1: so first of all thank you for having me I'm really excited we were able to kind of sit down and talk today and uh, yeah so what I am is I'm a Youth motivational speaker, published book author, and I also do some coaching and some teaching. Uh, Basically, I got started on this journey uh, roughly about two years ago now, and it kind of started, honestly, I would say the business end of it started two years ago, but the real journey probably started six or seven years ago. Uh, I graduated college about 10 years ago. And a couple years into the real world, um, into you know, a couple years into working in the workforce full time, I began to notice a few things. And one of the things I noticed was that a lot of people I worked with seemed to hate their jobs. Now, that's kind of an extreme comment. And I learned that it's much deeper than that. But to start, it felt like everybody that I was working with didn't like their jobs. They were unhappy with what they were doing. And they seemed to be very dissatisfied with the type of person they'd become and the life that they had built for themselves. So I began to look,
0: that doesn't well, sound no, fun. Well, no, it's not
1: because I work with no. you know, I work with a number. And don't get me wrong, like I've had great coworkers who were great people. Um, you know, it's not like these were bad people. I mean, they were genuinely good souls, but you could see that they were just genuinely unhappy um at work and it was, you know, a lot of times I would work in a culture where people would constantly say things like is it Friday yet? Um, I can't believe the weekend went right. by so fast. And That was always crazy to me because even when I worked jobs that I didn't necessarily like, I never went into the mentality of if it's not Friday afternoon, I'm not happy because there's just that, that just takes so much of your week and so much of your life and just basically throws it away. Um,
0: Yeah. What a way to live, right? That's just really sad. You're not
1: really living. You're just kind of what I say, floating and I'll get into that a little later, but um You know, so these I would I had to say to myself I said why how is this happening how are so many people this unhappy so when I began you know almost two years ago now I began to look into this deeper I began to survey college graduates and the surveys and the answers I got is really what opened my eyes to the problem and what I came to realize was that the majority of the people I was working with seemed to be very um, unhappy but worse than that they were unprepared for the real world they were unprepared for being an adult and working full time and everything that goes into that. And what happened was, was that a lot of them, you know, went through high school and college and just kind of did enough to get by. And a lot of, a lot of people said the same thing. They had a, I'll figure it out later type of attitude. Uh, And myself included, I mean, I didn't always try as hard as I could have in high school and college, because I always said I would figure it out later. And what happens to a lot of people is you know when later comes, they get thrown into a world they know nothing about. They're forced to take a job, they mm-hmm. a job they don't want or a job they don't understand, um, and they end up living a life that they never intended on living. Which is, which is really sad. I think. I think it's. I think it it's really. It's really sad. If don't get me wrong, you're never going to love what you do every day. But if you can't find some sort of satisfaction in most days, then. I don't know. This was just an unacceptable way of, of going about it. And I also felt very strongly right. that there's a lot of things about being an adult that students are not prepared for. Um, there's a lot a lot of opportunities that education gives you. There's a lot of great things that schools do right. But a lot of these students just don't – they don't make the connection. You know, they, they, they know these opportunities are out there, but because they don't know what the real world is like, they don't understand why they need to take advantage of those opportunities. So what I started – in you know, the late half of 2017 was just building a public speaking program uh, because when I started right. this, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to kind of branch away from my office job, and I was always very good at speaking. So I said to myself, "I said, well, I'm going to be a motivational speaker," um, and I mm-hmm. started to speak. You know, I started to speak to high schools. I started to speak to colleges, um, and it's really ballooned you know, it's blossomed and branched off into different avenues where I have, my, I have a book that's going to be published in a month. Um, I do nice. some coaching and some teaching. And for nice. me, I mean, everything I do, you know, here on out is just trying to motivate these students to understand what the importance of, of the next steps in their life.
0: So how, how are you framing the here's what to really expect conversation. How how is that coming out?
1: What I try to do a lot of times in my talks is I try to break down what working full-time really looks like. So I try to break down for the audience the number of hours in your week. I point out how many hours you need to sleep how many hours goes into a full-time job, and then how many hours are taken up by commuting to that job, getting ready for that job, and then also the number of hours that go into adult responsibilities. And I try to paint this picture where people understand that your full-time job, in one way or another, impacts the majority of your life. Um, So you know, when they see that, and they realize that, and they understand that a full-time job isn't something you can just you know, like a part-time job, if you're working three or four hours a day, you can just kind of survive through it. Um, But, you know, a full-time career is a lot different. And I think when students start to see, oh, wow, like my career is really going to be a a big part of my life. And it's going to take up a lot of time and energy. You know, I should probably try to take control of this situation. And that's where we move to taking control of your education, taking control of your future. Right. The the big thing I say, which is really, you know, any, if you look at any piece of content I've created, you'll always see me bring this point up, is that we have spent decades and decades asking kids at a very young age, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I hate the question, because we are asking kids at a young age to kind of take a guess about what they want to do with the rest of their lives. And they're not and because they're making that commitment so early, they're not actually doing the research. They need to understand what goes into those jobs. Understand.
0: Well, and how, how could they when they're little? They have no idea what exactly. it like, and right? even when- They only see, you know, the uniform or they know someone who does that kind of job or, you know, they have some idea that they, they like the idea of a kind of career, right? But, you know, how, how's a seven-year-old supposed to know they you know, want to be a a chemical engineer, right? How is that possible?
1: Exactly. And that's the whole thing. And I'm glad that you brought up that type of scenario because even when you get older, even when you're in middle school and high school, it's tough to say, oh, I want to do that if you don't understand what the jobs are, if you don't understand what the day-to-day is. So what I challenge students to do is to ask themselves, what type of person do you want to become? Because Mm. I ask them... Right think, you know, do an internal audit, really do a lot of self-discovery because I truly believe that there's a great quote and I, I cannot remember who says it. And it's, it's, it's really my fault because I say it a lot, but there's a quote that says life is based more than you think. Sorry. See, I'm saying getting it wrong, but life is based less than you think about what you've learned and more than you think about what you had inside you right from the start. And what I've learned is while there's, there's a ton to learn There's already something inside of you. The foundation of the type of person you want to become is inside you. But the thing is you have to to decide to become that person because if you don't put the effort in, the world will mold you into whatever they need. And that's what happens to a lot of people is a lot of people don't think about the type of person they want to become. So the world just molds them and the world breaks a lot of people because it's difficult. And if you're not motivated, if you don't have a goal, you don't have an end game, you just kind of give in to whatever – the world or whatever life is going to mold you into. So I ask these students, Mm, I
0: ask these
1: students, I say, what what brings you satisfaction? What brings you pride? Where do you feel the most useful? Because then students start to discover, you know, I really like helping people. I like giving advice. I like helping people through problems. Well, then to me, that means you want to become the type of person who helps people. So the next step is Mm -hmm. you make a list of every job or career that helps people. Because that right there is, you know, now all of a sudden if I say, you know, if I say I want to be a doctor, well, now I'm now I'm on the doctor track and I may become a doctor and realize yeah. I don't want it. But if I put myself on the helper track, now all of a sudden I have a list of five to seven jobs. They're all a little different. And the key is once you have that list, then you spend your high school years and even your college years and you seek out people who are already doing those jobs and you ask them questions and you understand what they did to get there, that you understand the education the salary the the um you know the day to day operations the schedule all those type of things because then when you enter into the real world you're not you're not as surprised you're prepared for what's coming right. so i'm very very much about internal 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 i list this out throughout my book we i make this i make the reader who's usually a student go through um you know a number of internal audits about really kind of learning about yourself because you know, you may decide that you're great with numbers. So you may want to get some sort of mathematics degree, and you may end up in a job that isn't the most exciting job in the world. But if you know in your heart that you want to help people, then you may want to do, you know, you may want to be an accountant, or you may want to do some sort of mathematics with a nonprofit, some sort of mathematics with a company that aligns with the type of person you want to be of a sudden, instead of going to work for some billion dollar company that breaks a bunch of laws, you're going to work for a nonprofit. And you know, at the end of the day that you didn't just make a millionaire, a billionaire, you took funds, you took donations, and you made sure it got to the necessary people. And I think that difference is so monumental, because now you're spending your days building the type of person that you want to become. And sure, you're, you're always going to love if you work a Monday through Friday job, you're always going to be happy when it's friday but you should be happy about the weekend because it means time with family and friends not because you don't have to go to work
0: right right no i think i think your approach is great i mean i I think about too you know even the jobs you think are going to be great are going to be full of hassles and hurdles and all that sort of thing and if you can understand the process of getting there uh, i think that makes a big difference And, and i think that's why one reason of many reasons why art and music education are so important for kids because, you know, you want to make an, a nice piece of artwork Well, things get pretty messy and you go through lots of iterations and you throw out your first couple attempts and, until you get what you want. And that's what many days at work are like, no matter what you're doing. And, uh, you know, to, to have a good grasp for that creative process and the, and the process of, you know, how messy creating things can be, even if, you know, what you do for a living is, uh, I don't know, you're a painter, right? You paint houses. Still, there's a lot of mess involved in getting there. There's a lot of hassle. There's a lot of trouble. But to get to the point where you can look at a, at a house you just finished painting and go, man, that looks good. I did a nice job. That's going to last for a long time. People are gonna be happy about it. Right. You you've gotta understand how to get to that process, I think. Otherwise you you just get so discouraged by all the hassles and the hurdles, it's hard to appreciate the wins.
1: Absolutely. And I, I talk a lot about that in the ninth chapter of my book. When I talk the reader through entering into the workforce, you know, and I talk about things that even if you follow all the advice I lay out and remember the advice I'm giving is also the advice of a lot of people I've served. In. So it really is a collective right. effort. And if you, even if you follow that advice, even if you've done everything for eight years, you may still get into a job that you don't necessarily like, but as long as you're going to work every day and you're building a type of person in your head, you're building a life in your head, Um, that you want, like you have something that's going to motivate you and it's okay to enjoy getting home and spending time with friends. But, you know, like you said, it's a matter of you're going to go through bad days. There's always going to be that added bureaucratic crap that goes on. You know, those unnecessary meetings, those those office politics. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people would be a lot happier if all they had to do was go in and do their jobs. If there wasn't all that unnecessary stuff that goes around it. I think that that's part of the problem. But again, it's all about you can deal with that type of stuff if you're making your own decisions, if you're in the spot that you chose to be in rather than you feel like, oh, I hate this job and I'm only here because I have no other options.
0: Well, and you may you may have touched on the whole crux of the problem, because if the people creating the bureaucratic nightmares and the people creating the hassles also hate their jobs because they didn't look at a career as what do I want to be myself? Not what role do I want to fill? Be Right. Then you have the people you're working for hate their jobs too. And that can't give them the right motivation to create systems and processes that make the jobs less hateable. Right. So I, I, I think you've hit on it.
1: And that's, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, to build off of that point, we have a lot of people in the older generations who, who are dissatisfied, and worse, they're spreading this message of this is life, and that's how life's supposed to be. And they're spreading this right. message of, you know, everyone hates their jobs. You're not supposed to like your jobs. I mean, we have, you know, it's funny, millennials get this terrible reputation because they bounce around and because they have the audacity to question the mission statement of a company and they, you have these older generations who, who, who poke fun at them. But in reality, the situation is, is that a lot of these millennials and a lot of younger generations are really starting to ask questions about what's the purpose. Why are we doing this? Why are we here? And a lot of older generations are just saying, well, that's life. You're just supposed to hate your job. And that's absurd. Ooh, I mean, it's, that's it's, absurd. Exactly. It's an absurd way. But it's funny because not only do right. older generations do it, but, you know, and I've, I've dug into this before in one of my blogs, you know, there is a billion-dollar industry built around being miserable at work. Because if you really take the time out to notice, there are ton, a ton of companies with advertising campaigns that either subtly or not so subtly point out that your life sucks, your work sucks, right. so you need to buy this product <laughs> to, to save yourself. So either it's, you know… Right. Either come to happy hour, come to lunch here, take a vacation, buy new clothes, alcohol,
0: right? Take a painkiller.
1: You know, know, like all these, all these type of things. I mean, you're right. Or you know, hey, like you're stressed. You know, take this drug, whatever it may be. Like I wrote a blog called "The Monetization of Misery," and
0: oh, what? Yes, exactly.
1: And it's something that I'm probably going to try to start to expand upon because. I mean, you just see it all the time with, you know, I mean, wh- who's the brand that literally said, you know, want to get away? I mean, it's a funny commercial, but it's a commercial for, uh, I think, an airline that really right. out, like, hey, your life sucks. So save up all your money and you can escape it for one week. And it's like. Ooh. Right.
0: And then go back to your sucky and life. It's,
1: it's just like, it's crazy to me it's that terrible, like, isn't it? We're, we're using, you know, vacations and days off and alcohol as like an escape from our life. And it's just like, you know, like I wrote a, read a quote the other day from Elon Musk and, you know, he's not somebody I necessarily agree with or follow, but he's, he, made a, he made a comment that most people spend five-sevenths of their week waiting for the weekend, and then they spend two-sevenths of their week being drunk to forget about the fact that they have to go back to work.
0: Well, yeah, and, and some people live like that, right? And and I've had some arguments with people who, who manage folks who, you know, give me that, uh, I'll just just give me that crap that, oh, it's hard to find people and young people don't want to work and they complain about stuff. And and so my response is, well, if you have crappy systems, don't expect people to just fall in line and do your crappy systems. And if people don't want to work for you, maybe you want to think about why they don't want to work for you. If your systems are crap, who would want to work for you?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of you know older generations – Uh, You know, these these, you know, 40 something, 50 something managers grew up in an age where you just work, you just shut up and work. And now they're being called on the carpet on some of these things and kind of forced to change. And they don't want to do it. And, you know, a lot of people say millennials don't want to work. And the problem is so, so much deeper than that, because first and foremost, you know, we as a generation, younger generations are more in touch with what I call, you know, the pitfalls of the world than anything else. And, and follow me here because I've talked to people about this before and it really does tend to open up people's eyes, but it's, it's a journey we need to go on here. So if you are a young person and you are in the working world or you're about to enter the working world and you are on social media every single day and every single day you are getting hammered with, there was a tornado here. There was a genocide here. There was an overthrown government here. Cancer is up. There's a video of a child who passed away due to cancer. There's a video of refugees at the border. There's a crisis because we're separating families at the border. And you have all these atrocities in the world. And you're saying to yourself, what am I doing with my day? I'm going to a business I don't believe in. I'm working on a product I don't understand. And I feel like I'm making millionaires into billionaires when I should be helping people. And that's where all the passion comes from because there's just so many people – that feel like, oh, I can't, you know, I'm not making a difference. So I need to fix this problem because there's just so many problems. In right. The
0: world. And, and add to that, your monetization of the misery and also the, you know, uh, I can't be as beautiful as the beautiful people, right? Because that's the other thing on social media, all these beautiful, happy people and none of us can measure up because, we don't have enough airbrushes and lighting effects uh, to, to make us look that beautiful. And so, you know, uh, it, it can drain a person's spirit, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, social media can drain your spirit. I'm glad you brought that up because it, I, I wrote another blog called Instagram is a dirty liar. And I really kind of hammered home as much as I love Instagram. I really hammered home the point that social media is a highlight reel of someone's life. And it really gives you, um, brief snippets of people's lives and their high points, and they, you know nobody ever documents their low points. Um, you know, I mean, there are people on, I mean there are people on Facebook who will complain all the time, but especially with these image based platforms, you are only seeing the best of the best. And you're also seeing people who who lie, who post something about how happy they are when they're not I mean I know a number of people who post you know something about their significant other and they can't stand each other
0: and I just look at it <laughs> right. sometimes and I was like right. are we
1: talking about the same person or like you know if you're if you're a young person and you're stuck in an office job and you're following somebody who's always at the beach you may say to yourself wow that person has an amazing life um, because they're always at the beach right and, <laughs> and I, I suck, suck right? but <laughs> what you're not realizing because you're not seeing the other picture is that you may be stuck in an office and that person might be at the beach, but you're making three times as much money because that person goes to work at night and can't pay back their student loan bills. So, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe they're at the beach and you're jealous of them. But at the end of the day, you're in a better situation and social media just makes it seem like, or you have like, you know, these kind of new age startup offices that give their employees, you know, free food or work from home. And, you know, if you're stuck in a more traditional office, You may say, hey, wait a minute, like my friend gets more days off, gets free food, gets to work from home. You know, I'm going to go there or I'm going to move on. And what you don't see is that your friend is working for less money or working longer hours or is simply working in a company that um, can allow people to do that. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean that industry is necessarily for you. I mean, I, I worked for a very new age company in New York City a few years ago And we had, I can't tell you how many perks we had. I mean, it was ridiculous. But then I would hear people I worked with say, oh, well, you know, this company gets free lunch every day. I was like, guys, like we get like 30 vacation days. I mean, it wasn't that many, but it was close. I
0: was like, (laughs) we get a ridiculous
1: amount of vacation days. I was like, we just had a holiday party that would rival you know, it would rival a Fortune 500 holiday party. But the thing was, was that these people came out of college, went into this company, and they thought they figured, oh, everywhere is like this. So this is the norm. Right. Who has right. Something right. Better. So social media is incredibly tricky. And it's a it's something that even even older generations fall into. You, you, know,
0: you Oh, think- sure. You, sure. You, the, the whole fake news phenomenon, right, is is all about being. Gullible, convincible, not knowing what you're looking at or, you know, allowing your your uh, emotional responses to get the better of you or whatever. Right. So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also, I mean, not only are you, you know, gull- not only are you possibly gullible or not understanding the source of the news, but on social media, you can set it up. So you are only looking at things you agree with. You're only looking at opinions you right. agree with and talking to people that you right. like. And as I said in a talk that I did recently, um, I I recorded a talk on social media. The problem is, is that younger generations are getting used to living in a bubble and talking through a screen and they don't understand Mm -hmm. that the real world's not like that. You have to go to work. You have to work with people you don't like. Sometimes you have to be on the same team as somebody that you can't stand. And that's a that's an issue in itself. And that's that's a skill in itself to, you know, constructively work with people that you don't necessarily agree with. And that skill gets lost. Right. If all you, if the only communicating you do is on a device that's showing you the only things that you agree with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, you are doing important work because uh, I'm relying on the generations coming after you to, you know, make my world a decent place to be an old man someday. So you're doing important work. That's for sure, and the, the world uh, you know, continues to spin, and the challenges and opportunities both continue to be greater and more interesting. So I, I think it's fabulous what you're working on. How do people find you, Kyle? Where, where do you want to send them to if they want to find out more about what you're up to? Sure.
1: Through? So you can go ahead and visit my website, um, kyleg.us. That's K-Y-L-E-G.us. And then my social channels are just at uh, Kyle G Speaks. So that's Kyle G Speaks. S P E. Kyle G Speaks. Yes, Kyle G Speaks. You got it.
0: Kyle G Speaks. um, Excellent. Yeah, so you
1: can find out anything about me. I mean, if you're on one page, you can find your way to another page. And I'm available for speaking engagements, um, anything to do with high school or college students. I'm also open to speaking to eighth graders uh, who are about to graduate because uh, I think that that's probably a prime point for them to start. Uh, keep an eye out. If, you, if you're if you interested, you can visit my website or my Instagram page and you can find the link to sign up for my updates. Uh, my book will be published in May. Uh, so that's going to be able to be And I'm also a college student success coach and I also teach a course online about selecting the right college for you. So, I would say for nice. anybody who's interested, um, please feel free to reach me through my website, KyleG.us, or my social channels. I'm very responsive on all of them, and we can start the conversation.
0: That's fantastic, Kyle. I really enjoyed our conversation. I love what you're doing. Good luck with that. Everybody, go to KyleG.us, and I hope we get a chance to talk again sometime. It's been, it's been a blast. Thanks so much for joining me on the Troncast. Thank you. All right, see you later, bye-bye. What do you do for sales training and team building exercises? What do you do for customer service training and team building exercises? I know you're trying all kinds of things and there's some good stuff out there. But I swear, if anyone ever asked me to do another trust fall, my brain's going to explode. So let's come up with something different. I've been trying to find something different for a while. And I thought, well, why not? Let's come up with a sales training game or a customer service training game, something fun that everyone can get into and that they can laugh about and challenge each other and poke each other a little bit and feel some of the emotional ups and downs that you get when you're in customer service and sales. So I went to a game jam uh, headed up by the local regional economic development group here in Columbia and Boone County, Missouri. And I met a, a group of game developers and we had so much fun that we ended up creating a game called Starship Junkyard, which is a great and hilarious way to do team building for your businesses, for your sales teams, for your customer service teams. And it's turned out to be just a great family and friends game too, something you can sit down and play for half an hour, an hour, or a great pub game. It's hilarious, it's called Starship Junkyard. And you can find it on Facebook at uh, the Starship Junkyard, the card game. You can buy it on thegamecrafter.com. Go to thegamecrafter.com and look up Starship Junkyard and buy a copy and play it. It's hilarious. So try that for your next team building exercise. Try that for your next sales training meeting. Sit down and play Starship Junkyard, and you will be happy you did. Go check it out on Facebook, Twitter. Go buy the game at thegamecrafter.com. The Starship Junkyard, the card game. Thank you.